we're going to get into a subject I think will be fun tonight. I'm going to talk on when a man hates a woman. When a man wants away from a woman. When a man is afraid of a woman. When a man is afraid of not all women, he's just afraid of one particular woman. Who am I talking about? When men don't like controllers. Men don't like women that control. Those type of men who marry a controlling woman. Most, if not all men, if they start dating a controlling woman, they won't end up marrying her. So let me give you four little quick scriptures that all the guys will appreciate. Proverbs 15, 17. Solomon says he would rather eat broccoli than to live with someone where there was no love. I think a man couldn't think of anything worse than say, I would rather eat my vegetables, my Brussels sprouts, than to live where there's no love. Proverbs 27, 15. Like the constant dripping of a faucet is a quarrelsome wife. Now men hate dripping faucets. I mean, that's just a man thing right there, a dripping faucet. Proverbs 21, 9. It would be better to live in the corner of the house, but it really didn't say house. It said the corner of the roof than to live with someone that is hard to live with. Proverbs 25, 24. It's better to live in the corner of the attic than with a contentious wife, even if you live in a luxurious home. That's what it says, those verses. And somehow, if men don't marry controlling women, and then they think they end up with one, then men seem to think that women change. And they'll tell me, I am married to a Jezebel. I am married to this. And most, if not all men, if they start dating Jezzy, they won't end up marrying her. So let's talk a minute. What on earth am I talking about when a man hates a woman? All right, the historical or the ancient Jezebel is the most infamous ancient woman there is. King David had been absent from the scene of history for 135 years by the time Jezebel comes on the scene. Jezebel is mentioned always in conjunction with her husband. He is first introduced in scripture in 1 Kings 16 verse 30 with these shocking words, And Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, how would you like the first mention of you in the Bible to be? And Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord more than every single person before him. Now, that is quite a record. I mean, by the time you say Ahab did more evil than every single person before him, he had the dubious distinction of being the most wicked king who reigned in Israel up until that day. Opening sentence of Ahab in your Bible. And Ahab did evil, and he did more evil than anyone else. And then it tells you the why of it. And it came about as though it had been a trivial thing that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. Verse 31. Now Elvis has this in songs. You can just remember it if you don't remember scripture. I heard about a man, he was doing swell until he started messing around with that evil Jezebel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hard-headed women. <laughs> Been causing problems ever since the world began. And he explains Eve. I mean, Elvis just has it right there caught for us in the very beginning. So you have Ahab, and you have the fact that he married Jezebel. Now, how did he manage to marry a woman that could be so wicked? Can you imagine to be known as the most evil king and you married the most wicked woman ever? So let's do a little bit of this historical look. But the Sidonians was another name for the Phoenicians. They were a seafaring people. 
they are sometimes thought of the Philistines or they're thought of as the Palestinians today. So you can know what kind of nationality that Jezebel was in her DNA. And with the ever-present menace, Israel was completely frightened of Syria. And there was an ever-growing threat of Assyria. So you see some of the same players in the Middle East as there are today. That here was the king of Israel, and he's doing swell until he notices I have a problem with Syria and Assyria. So what does a man do? He does the most natural thing that he can think of. He tells himself, I need a little insurance policy. And the insurance policy he has is he goes and talks to whoever he thinks is a hair bigger and a hair stronger than him, which is the king of the north, and he makes a treaty with him to say, look, if either of these come, let's fight together. And then he said, let's seal the deal. And the way they sealed the deal was he said, marry my daughter. And that's how we got Jezebel. And this was a first in the way that this one was done. This is how Jezebel happened to move to the capital of Israel. And there is only one way to describe it. It would be like a disastrous moment where a witch gained power. And suddenly Jezebel is in power in Israel. I mean, Solomon had a thousand wives and I don't know a thousand things about them. I don't know anything about Solomon's wives. And yet, this one lady is so well known with what she does. Let me tell you a little bit about it. I told you, man, one thing you need to know about a woman is what? What did you learn from me last week? When you meet a woman, you need to know one thing about her. Her situation with her daddy. And so let's look at Jezebel's daddy. I can tell that all of you were listening. Okay, the king of Phoenicia was not only the political leader of the land, but by the time the king's name is Ethbaal, B-A-A-L, you realize he didn't just have a political name. He has a high priest religious name. His name is Muhammad Ali. His name is (laughs) Ethbaal. Baal. He has it in his name. And so Jezebel grew up differently. She grew up with the God in her country being Baal. And there was another God that was worshipped with Baal, and it was a female consort. Like their gods had male and female to them. And it was Asherah. And Asherah was considered to be the mother goddess of fertility. Now, Ethbal was a pleasant soul and taught his daughter all the rules to the game, and he had assassinated his way to the top. And so he had killed this guy named P-H-E-L-E-S. So you just really rest your heart on the fact that they got in power the legitimate way in their country. Just kill whoever's in your way, right? So I would say it's kind of like, I'm Jezebel. I'm queen of Israel. I'm Ethbal. I'm king of Tyre and Sidon. I'm whoever. I'm king of Brownwood. I use my money. I use my power because I'm king of Brownwood. And this is the way they think. Now, I know it's no reflection on today's politics and how they get there and what means they use with power and money, but that's what we're looking at in these ancient, ancient days and primitive ways of looking at power. But I want us to start with where I find Jezebel connecting with us in the New Testament thinking. Now, why would I dig up some old Jezebel out of the grave in the Old Testament, if she has no relevance to us today. Because in Revelations 2.20, it gives you Jezebel again. 
And this is Jesus speaking to the church, and he's telling us this is what you do with Jezebel. He says, you are permitting Jezebel. So the first thing that I'm going to tell you is Jezebel's spirit is something permitted. Now the title of this lesson today is The Tolerated Jezebel Spirit. Now I'm going to show you something. This verse doesn't start out by saying, you evil Jezebel, I'm talking to you and you better get it straight. Well, I think the reason that it doesn't start out that way is I don't think God speaks to Jezebels. They're not his. So it doesn't address Jezebel, and it's not telling you, get it straight, Jezebel. I'm coming quickly. I'm going to slay you. It doesn't say that. It's not addressed at all to Jezebel. God's not even speaking to her. You know, in fact, there's a lot of people that take this verse and they'll call someone in a church and they'll call you a Jezebel. And if you are ever called Jezebel in your church, kiss it goodbye. There is nothing you can do. If you're a Jezebel by top leadership, they call you a Jezebel. I'm telling you, you are labeled. And you can't unstick that off of you very easy. So you lose your influence in the church if you're called a Jezebel. And I think it's interesting that we take this verse and we make it be that sort of a scripture. We make it be as if somebody's being called a Jezebel. But I'm going to show you something different. Jezebel here, and this is where I'm going to do something different than what I think everybody else does with the Jezebel spirit. And this is something the Lord gave me quite a few years ago when he spoke to me about Jezebel. And he told me that in this, the Jezebel was a permitted issue. The target around how we're going to approach Jezebel is not Jezebel's spirit. It's not Jezebel, but it's those who surround Jezebel. So this Bible study is going to be your relationship to Jezebel. So I'm not looking over here and going, I must find a Jezebel among us. Who is our Jesse? I'm not looking for Jesse. I'm talking to you, telling you in ministry, you're going to meet Jezebels. And this tells you what to do about it. Isn't that a completely different way to look at it? I mean, I'm not scanning saying, hmm, I wonder who it is. You know, from what we've heard, every ministry has them. They love coming near people in authority. This tells you, do you permit it? Do you tolerate it? So the target is, is your relationship with them. When Jezebel is mentioned in the Bible, the story is not just one terrible, fierce, wicked woman. But I want to point out, it's talking to the weak people around Jezebel. And I'm going to tell you how frightening I see this in a minute. So when I speak on Jezebel, I want to point out how Scripture points it out. He talks about the spirit in relationship to the person around it, even in your Old Testament. It's how you handle it. This verse is not giving Jezebel a direct rebuke. It's telling people, what are you doing with Jezebel? So, oh, she's a Jezebel, and then you're immediately highlighted. It's not where it's going with this. I'm highlighting you on how you react to the Spirit. So most of the time, I'm going to tell you, the sad truth about Jezebel is most people don't recognize her. Most don't. So how are you going to not get into this permission, get into this tolerance if you don't recognize who she is. Okay, so we'll speak in that context. Now, I'm going to take the position that I think Jezebel's spirit is a female spirit of control. I'm not going to take the position that I think it's control across the board, and I'll tell you why. It's not that I don't think I've seen men in control, but I'm going to say 
I think it's a spirit of control, but when it's men, there's other names to call that spirit of control. There can be that Saul's spirit of control. That's an insecure man in power, Saul. Or Absalom's spirit of control. That's someone from beneath trying to take over that doesn't have the heart. Joab's self-independent spirit of control. So I'm going to say I think there's plenty of examples of control in the Bible that are masculine that I don't think we need to separate a Jezebel spirit into a both male and female spirit. I think it does have a feminine idea to it. So we could argue that out, but at this point, this is how I'll label it. So the reason that I want to make sure you know it's a female spirit and not a male is because what I want to center on is the Ahabs that are with Jezebel. I want to center on the Ahabs that are associated with Jezebel. Because nine times out of ten, I don't think any of you are going to turn out to be Jezebel. I don't think you men are going to be a Jezebel. But I think there's a possibility you are not going to handle a Jezebel spirit correctly. Okay, so let's look into it. Who handles the Jezebel spirit? The Bill Clintons. (laughs) I had some crossliners who were Ahabs. Who permits the Jezebels? Who tolerates the Jezebels, the Ahabs? A man is seduced by a woman. But usually, in the natural order of things, a woman is seduced by a man. In most cases, you see it, a man goes after a woman, and he woos her, and if he's carnal, he seduces her. But Jezebel's the opposite. This is the type of woman who seduces a man. It goes against the natural order. It goes against the man being the leader in the relationship. Now, I'm going to ask you, do you have the courage to oppose a Jezebel? And then I'm going to ask the question, who has the courage to oppose a Jezebel? And I'm going to let you name me anybody that you think opposes a Jezebel. Who opposes a Jezebel? Okay. Stealth. I mean, who has the courage to confront a Jezebel? You know, I might could say none. You know, I don't think anyone's made it. I think that's why the book of Revelation is having a fit about it because there's really no one that has the courage to confront it. And so I'm going to tell you, I only know of one man. Trump. He's the only one. I know no other man that has truly stood against Jezebel. I mean, that's funny when you think about it. I've never known a man to have the courage to stand against Jezebel. So study how he did it. And I would say a lot of it has to do with our commitment to pray for the guy. I mean, that's shocking to say, until this generation, I've never seen a man raised with the courage to stand against the Jezebel spirit. I mean, think about it. In this, the Lord told me a statement, and I want you to hear me. He told me in life, Angie, if you have a controlling spirit that comes against you, there's always a spirit of control that comes. I've seen it a thousand times come against my mom, like in ministry. It'll come against you. I've seen it come against my dad. But the Lord spoke to me and said, if you allow yourself to be controlled, I'm going to hold you responsible. I'm going to hold you as responsible for the problem. 
And I was like knees shaking going, you've got to be kidding. Because I don't see people successfully being able to stand up against control. Not in churches. I've watched this for a long time. And so I was appalled that when the Lord was speaking to me about Jezebel, he was speaking to me in relationship to what I'm sharing with you tonight. And this is what God gave me. This is the study that the Lord... Oh my goodness. Look to the eastern sky. Good to see you, Shaley. We're teaching kind of a lesson on Jezebel. Okay. And we're talking about controlling women. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good subject. Okay. <laughs> She's a cross liner. You can tell she likes that subject. Okay. That's what the Lord spoke to me. And so I'm going to give you what he gave me to stand against a spirit of control. God holds the person that is seduced responsible. Here it is turned out to do more for Christians than any president to this point. I'm going to tell you, he obeyed this verse when others didn't. And church people are not obeying this verse, but a politician is. Church people are playing footsies with her under the table. Church people are acting like, oh, it's just not Christian to do it. But a man that you would never guess understood something that you're not supposed to tolerate the spirit of Jezebel. I'm appalled. I'm shocked where God's getting these examples from. So I want you to look at it. To tolerate. If you tolerate Jezebel, this means you play with her. You dance with her. You people please with her. You compromise with her. You have compromise to you. That's what it looks like to tolerate her. The price you pay for confronting the spirit, the backlash, the permission. This is the opening lines to Jezebel in the New Testament is, do not permit her and do not tolerate her. And I'm telling you, I have not seen a church person have the strength to do it because of the one thing Jezebel gives you, fear. And she makes good on her promises. She is worse than a woman scorned. She will destroy your life. And some of you who have gotten into the battle of Jezebel's, <laughs> be it in organizations you lead or whatever, that spirit is the same spirit that's been around. And it's telling you, opening line is, don't tolerate her. And what is our nation preaching? Tolerate. You must tolerate. It only goes one way. You must tolerate us. You must tolerate our rebellion. You must tolerate our ideals. You must tolerate the way we think. You must tolerate our beliefs. And your Bible tells you don't tolerate her. Don't permit her. It's aimed at you, <laughs> Ahab. <laughs> Who is Jezebel? You can't be sweet to it. You can't be non-resistant to Jezebel. The responsibility of being controlled. This is written to the church. And it says you're expected to do some things. So I'm going to write this sentence down for you. The responsibility of the person being controlled. If you're being controlled, well, it's your responsibility. I think with the Lord you might have fighting chance. It tells you in this verse right here, there is a right and a wrong kind of suffering. And the church in Thyatira does both. The enduring tribulation is commended. The toleration of evil is rebuked. They said the fact you endure through hard times... The fact that you are permitting and tolerating evil, completely rebuked. 
notice this, it is not telling you you're getting shame on you because you're giving your Jezebel sympathy. It is not saying shame on you because you're giving your Jezebel encouragement. It is saying shame on you for merely the fact that you're letting her be alone. Letting her alone. Surely it is because you're letting her wickedness go unchecked. I'm going to see if you're getting this. It's not saying you're in trouble because you're encouraging her or because you feel sorry for her. It's saying you're in trouble because you let it alone. You do nothing about it. You permit it. You tolerate it. It's saying you're in trouble because you leave her evil unchecked in the church and you let it go on. And I guarantee you, if you talk to most pastors, they would say there's Jezebel's and there has been in ministries, and this flat is telling you what to do about it. And this is where it begins, this verse, it says, I have a few things against you. <laughs> so it's starting out, and it said, I've got some stuff against you. He could have put our name, Ahab, in there, I have some stuff against you. But Ahab did so wrong that he's not even on the charts. There's nothing about Ahab that's good about him. Nothing. He was the most evil up until his day. So Revelations 2.20, you're permitting Jezebel. Jezebels are permits. In the church, we're handing them permits, permits, permits. You let them happen. You tolerate her. You're being controlled and it's your fault. So I suddenly, in my mind, <laughs> because I was not the type of person that wanted to stand against conflict, but I wrote down there's two types of people. There's controllers and those who let themselves be controlled. Yeah. Which one are you? So the first thing it says is you call yourself a prophetess. Now, so I'm going to say to you, Jezebel calls herself a prophetess. So you tolerate her prophecies. You allow her to speak into your life. You let the Jezebel speak to you. Many times they put themselves in their positions. Almost all times I've seen a Jezebel, they rise to power on their own. They put themselves in that position. They anoint themselves to power. They are very attracted to power. Sometimes they'll serve their way to power in order to dominate. You've just got to live at least 70 years to know what these are. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you what my dad said. Borrow your experience from someone else. <laughs> Listen to someone older. Okay, so what I'm saying is she calls herself a prophetess. Evidently, God doesn't call her that. What do you think God thinks when she prophesies to you, when you allow her to speak into you? When she puts herself in a position, you recognize it. You give it respect. You get confused. It's self-appointed. They create around themselves a fan club, but no one really deeply likes them. It's odd about them. No one really, really likes them. Money helps. I mean, you can like Jezebel's better with money. Okay, so for letting her alone, for being timid, for paying too much spiritual deference to her, and for failing to see that she's a Jezebel. Number two, she teaches and she seduces. So she's a teacher. And she probably will go against the other teachings in the church. If I say it's black, she'll say it's white. We'll be on the opposite end of the page. Jezebel, let me tell you what her message is. This is the Jezebel message. She takes away the hard lines. You can get into open doors and she'll tell you it's okay. She'll tell you, go ahead and explore them. This prophecy, if she gave words, would tell you words that you want to hear.
She'll tell you things you want to hear. She'll let you off the hook. She'll make it easy for you. If she went around in a circle giving words, it would be, this is okay, that's okay, you can do this, you can do that. That's how she gives words. That's a Jezebel spirit. They tell you what you want to hear. And a large portion of people go with it. She teaches and she seduces. Don't think she's just there to teach. She'll take you where you don't want to go. A Jezebel spirit can operate against a man. But I want you to know something. It can also operate against a woman too. Serve her. Give her information. She's wanting something from you. She's extracting information from your mind. I have some people, literally one girl in Brownwood, and she is so good at getting information from you that I was like, don't put me on the phone with her. You just find yourself telling her everything. I mean, she's just good at it. She works for the enemy. <laughs> but she could get any information out of you. These Jezebels can get information out of you that you don't want to tell. They do. It's odd. you got to live long enough to meet them. Somehow you want her approval. Especially against someone who has authority or power. She really, really operates against the person in power. That's where the Jezebel spirit can operate. But she will be usually a second to her, to them. Like she was to Ahab. Or they'll go after a new believer. They eat them in one bite. Swallow Okay, now I'm going to tell you what made me think of writing this. I know all of you know I wrote it for you. So you can just sit there and go, I was thinking about your life and this week we've gone through it and I wrote this for you. Bless your dear little heart. But I actually, I wrote it for a new friend we have. And we were at a camp and she is what gave me the idea to speak on the subject of Jezebel last night. I wanted her to send an audio on overcoming the spirit of Jezebel. Any soul ties with a Jezzy, they were deceived. I'm going to tell you, this is the point we have her, is breaking the spirit of Jezebel off once you've been under it. Because it grabs hold of you in a way that I don't have any words to describe. And that's the reason tonight I wanted to say there is a spirit of Jezebel. And I'm going to tell you what it is the Lord taught me. You cannot allow yourself to be controlled by someone else. Getting into fear is the worst thing that can happen to you. If you are afraid, it excites this demon extremely. You cannot be afraid of it. And yet it does everything in its power to frighten you. Now let me tell you, there are two hooks that Jezebel has. And they're in this account in Revelation. So before we even start, because you could answer this question without even going on. There is something you're getting out of being controlled or you would have stopped it. There is something you're getting from being controlled. You're not innocent. You're not innocent. I guarantee you, if you weren't getting something out of it, you wouldn't do it. But it always looks like it's so easy to blame the controller. But the truth is, there's some reason, there's some hook that you let yourself be controlled. Some reason you do. You're getting something out of it. you got to identify what that something is. Because that's what's getting you every time. It's whatever... It's the bait on the hook that's getting you. What are you getting out of it? You've got a big piece of selfishness in you. And Jezebel's give gifts. Now I want to tell you the story of the one that the Lord pointed out to me. Remember when he told me, I'm going to hold you responsible if you ever let yourself be controlled? He said, 
it's in this verse that I'd find the answer to it. This comes from 1 Kings 21. Now it came about after these things that Naboth had a vineyard which was beside the palace of Ahab the king. And Ahab decided he wanted Naboth's property. So he went to him and he said, Give me your vineyard that I may have it as a vegetable garden. I know you have a vineyard. I want to plant potatoes, carrots, broccoli. I'm sure he wanted a lot of broccoli. <laughs> this guy probably wanted Brussels sprouts and broccoli. Because... It's close by my house, and I will give you a better vineyard in its place. I will take your vineyard. I'll give you something better. And it's a true Jewish offer. This is a Jewish king that thinks like a Jew that is married to a Phoenician wife. Okay, so at this point, it's a Jewish offer. Naboth declined the offer just as he should have done. For God has forbidden the Jews to sell their inheritance. These people that cut their inheritance up and sell it into a piece. Yes. Naboth was simply obeying the law of the Lord to tell his king, no, you can't trade me for a better one. So Ahab comes into the house and he's sullen and he's vexed because the word which Naboth has spoken to him. And he lay down, the king of Israel lays down on his bed and he turns away his face and he's vexed and he's hurt because he's not given the vineyard that he wants for his vegetable garden. Can you believe that a grown man would act as childish? Some do. How is it that your spirit is so sullen and you're not eating? Jezebel comes into his room and goes, Honey, get up. What is wrong with you? Aren't you the king? Why do you look like this? And he said, Because Naboth refused to let me have my vegetable garden. And she goes, Oh, honey. I can't believe it. She goes, don't you reign over Israel? Are you a man or a mouse? What have I married, sweetheart? <laughs> Speak up. <laughs> no one can tell you're a king by the way you're acting. Do you realize you're a king? You can take anything you want. You know, with the Phoenicians' background, Jezebel saw being a king different than how Ahab saw being a king. She did not understand that even the king in Israel was subject to the law of the land. She didn't get that. Because she is Jezebel. Because she's Phoenician. In her mind, a king is a king, so he's above the laws. That's what he says. I am not subject to the laws of Israel. I am not subject to the laws of God. She did not know it says, thou shalt not steal. But she has a better plan than that. She doesn't even have to get her hands dirty. So you know what she does? She goes. And she does what they do in all countries that are in the Middle East. And she says, he cursed his God. <laughs> and you must get together. And two or three elders got together. And they stoned the heck out of Naboth. And so nobody had a vineyard. You know this story, didn't you? Yes. Jezebel comes back and she didn't tell him what she does. She just hands Ahab and said, got your vineyard for you, honey. Now, it's at this point God spoke to me. This is how he spoke to me. He asked me, who did I punish for this? Now think about what each one of them did. One pouted. It never says that she told him how she did it. She just said, there is no excuse for you as king to ever have a bad day. And so she takes the matters into her hands. She doesn't tell him because she knows he'll tell her no. And that's how women submit to men. They just don't tell the man what they're going to do. 
<laughs> you just don't. If you don't tell them, then you don't submit. I mean, everybody that's married has had that equation. You just go and do it and say, honey, look what I bought. And so this is what happened. She goes, I got you what you want. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He goes, look up the verse and see who I condemned. So the heading kind of gives it away. It says, the Lord condemns, and he tells you. So the word of the Lord comes to the prophet, Elijah saying, Arise, go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, which he has gone down to take possession of it. And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord God, Have you murdered and also taken possession? Now, right here we have a dilemma in scripture. Either God doesn't know what happened. He didn't murder. He didn't have a thing to do with it. But right there, it tells me, have you not murdered and taken possession? I mean, Adam and Eve, they ran from God, and God goes, what were you doing? I didn't see it. Maybe your fig leaves covered it. So look at the scripture. Or did God know exactly what happened? Have you not murdered and taken possession? And Elijah you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, in the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs will lick your blood, even yours. And the Lord says, I'm going to hold you responsible for those people you let control around you. When I saw that verse, I shook. Because if I'm reading this right, it didn't matter if you did the crime or not. He holds you responsible for being controlled. And the higher you go in leadership, the more people that are going to want to control you. Every single day of your life, if you're a godly person, if you have a clean, pure heart, if you're a pastor, beware. And this is where you told me, I never knew ministry would be this tough. This is why people are calling me from the mission field that are my sons in the Lord, and they're going, Angie, I never knew it'd be like this. And it's because of this. Because you get blood on your hands very quickly. And this is the spirit of Jezebel. And this is how God looks at it. Again, what did I tell you? God did not rebuke Jezebel. He rebuked Ahab. In the Taming of the Shrew, there's Tiffany's role in advice by Shakespeare. And I'm going to tell you, Ahab should have tamed his shrew. And weak men do not tame controllers. And Judgment Day is a little bit different because guess who's going to be in trouble? Weak women, weak men, they let people control all the way around them and they permit it and they tolerate it and half the time they don't even know it. It's a very self-consumed time in your life. You know, he opened the door to it, Ahab, because he was so self-consumed. And I guarantee you, you don't have a Jezebel in your life unless you're very selfish. You don't have a Jezebel operating in your life, running your traps, unless you're very selfish. In Revelations 2.20, with this in mind, it says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against you, because you've suffered that the woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants. So she's teaching servants of the living God. And she's seducing servants of the living God to commit fornication. And to eat things sacrificed to idols. And God says, I gave her space to repent of her fornication. And she repented not. (laughs) That's where we get it. And she repented not. (laughs) How many people don't repent? 
She didn't. She repented. Not, and this is not new Old Testament scripture where we can get rid of it and say, oh, it's Old Testament. It's not. This is Jesus interpreting Jezebel for you. Behold, I will cast into a bed and them that commit adultery with Jezebel, those who get into a relationship with her, into the great tribulation. Except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill their children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your grace. Is that what it says? Ergon works. He's telling you, don't think I don't know motives. Don't think I don't know hearts. And he's going to hold the Ahab. He's going to hold the leader. He's going to hold the person who knows the Lord. He's going to even hold the new believer, my friend, responsible if she allows Ahab to control her life. You know, today Mom and I were talking. I said, I sure wish I could ask Dad one question today. <laughs> I wish God had said, when your dad goes to heaven, Angie, you're allowed one question. Decide which one you want. One year you can ask it. Because I'd like to ask who's in heaven and who's in hell. Did Papa make it? Then I'll know whether to preach harder or ease up a bit because there's scriptures that say a lot of stuff but these are one of those rough scriptures that tells you who is in heaven so I'll know about judgment but this tells you that Jezebel goes where but so do weak men who sleep with are thrown into the great tribulation I don't think that sounds like a promise it sounds more like a warning to me now there's some very specific things about Jezebel's verse 20 they commit acts of immorality and they're cast upon a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her. So there's a sexual hook, fornication, swallowing the bait, the familiar spirit of cast on the bed with her. There's a big draw to Jezebel's bed. She's in it for another reason. Money? Security? I don't know. What all? She is very unstable and if she's looking for stability, she's volatile and there's always volatile relationships around a Jezebel. I'm going to tell you about a friend of mine. A friend of mine had an affair with a married man, and it carried on for some time. And she was a Christian by background. That's just how I'll put it. A married man, and she made this declaration to one of us. And she says, I have this man by his, and I can't say it, but it's a piece of a man's anatomy. Just like men are in locker rooms and they say stuff, women are in locker rooms and we hear what they're saying. <laughs> Now, this Christian girl told this. And let me tell you why she had him by his. And you would never know it because she is cute and sweet and gives you whatever you want. But she was bragging, I have him by his. She would never, ever let him know that the minute he quit giving her money, she had him. Oh, no, it wasn't going to be a walk away. Jezebel's don't walk away. And she said, he's been giving me money for a while, and I'm going to up what he's going to give me. I'm going to need this or that because I have him trapped, and he will give me whatever I tell him to give me. It was a comfortable bed. I hope you slept well that night. Because this is what it comes down to with Jezebel's. Let me tell you the strangest thing about the twist in this story. It didn't work out like she thought. The money got squeezed on this guy. So he does what men do. They decide between happiness with their wife and money. What should I do? 
She's saying more and more and more. I'm trapped more and more and more. What should I do? What to do? Melissa, Melissa, what should a man do? And a man does what I've seen men do. And I don't know why when their pocketbook is squeezed, they find their morals. I have told mother, the best of men, when you squeeze the money, you squeeze the man. <laughs> yeah, she, she was squeezing. <laughs> so when his money got squeezed and his wallet got flat, he went and told on himself to his wife. She wasn't expecting that. Because, my gosh, I'd rather lose little woman than lose the pocketbook. <laughs> I'm not going to let her trap me and use leverage. They'll go tell on the relationship. Torn between two lovers. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's in a mess. <laughs> she made a lot of money on that song. So the wife finds out about it. And now, the second surprise happens. I told you I wrote this 15 years ago. It's, I should have been preaching this all along. This is good. So the wife finds out about it. And she goes and destroys this girl and tears her hair out and rips her apart and takes away everything, stops her begging. The wife goes to her and says, I want to meet with you. So the wife finds out and wants to meet with my friend. And my friend was scared to meet with her. So she started repenting. Because, why was she repenting? Because God had gotten a hold of her heart and convicted her. And, and Jezebel was given a space of time to repent. And she repented. No, she repented because she got just the highest of Colbert motives. The God who sees and sees all motives, this woman goes and repents. So she meets with the woman. She has no idea what. Has the woman brought a gun in her purse? And they met, and the wife tells her, I forgive you in the name of Jesus for what you've done. She couldn't believe it. And my friend, she felt bad for a while. You remember what we talked about with Gomers? Remember what I said about Gomers? It's faded love. It lasts for a while. It stops for a while. Especially when she found out that marriage didn't make it. That makes you feel a little bit bad. But they don't change on their own. And I looked on Facebook today, and my friend's still in this cycle, still doing the same thing. And so one man got in a trap, and he got out. Not completely, but he got out. He lost his kids, his wife, his reputation, and a lot of money when he got through a divorce. But he got out. It's the squeeze. And this is what it calls of when you're seduced. Because they always put a squeeze on you. They're not in it for free. Their bed's not soft and comfortable for no reason. There's a price. Why does abuse make a person go on abusing? Why do you abuse your sister if you got abused? Why do you abuse people at your school? Why do you peep in people's windows? If you've ever had abuse, why does it make you an abuser? Someone that had more abuse than anyone else keeps asking the question, if you were abused, why is it making you want to abuse? And she says, it made me not want to abuse because I had it done to me. 
it should have the other reaction. If you were that little kid abused, it should tell you, I never want to do that to anyone else's life. There's something bad wrong. If it does, you picked up a spirit. We give them a free check in psychology. Oh, they were abused. That's why they're abusing. It should be the opposite. Oh, they were abused. That's why they won't abuse because they know what it'll do. Seduction. And then, of course, it says that Jezebel, she teaches and she prophesies and she seduces and she eats things sacrificed to idols. Oh, my gosh. We're back to open doors and eats things sacrificed to idols. She's back to fortune cookies and Halloween candy right here. And the Lord said, I gave her space to repent. The Lord is giving her space to repent. But when you get entangled up with her, you're messing the Lord up. Because He did not expect you to get in the way. He told you, don't permit it. Don't tolerate. Get out of the way. I'm giving her time to repent. Because why? God loves everyone. He loves Gomer. He's given her time to repent. Because He wills that everyone be saved. But you don't will everyone to be saved. You're selfish and you want what you can get and you're getting in God's way. And you're messing it up. And it says both Jezebel and her lovers go to the great tribulation. At least this one doesn't end in hell. It's just, hallelujah, we're going into the great tribulation, whatever that means. It's, it means great amounts of pressure, like the great squeeze. <laughs> if it's not bad enough with Jezebel, you go into that. Her strong will has seduced the weak Ahab. Why doesn't it just say she slept with? What is the difference between someone who seduces and someone who sleeps with? Usually there is some sort of trap around them. Some people lie. Some that doesn't make it clean. It's that dirty little secret. You know, my dad always said this. He goes, there are dirty men. His dad told him this. And he goes, don't cuss. He goes, there are dirty men. But he goes, if you ever meet a dirty woman, the woman's dirtier than the men. He goes, they'll cuss worse than the men. And I was thinking about my dad the other day on nasty, dirty women, on Jezebel's. And I watched this at an auction because I knew one day I'd teach on something that had something to do with this, but I teach on such happy subjects I can't ever work it in. But after having watched auctions, they constantly have something nasty at the auction. And at the auction, they'll have a woman who's bearing her uh, udders. <laughs> you look at the others of the others. And I watch it because I'm at an auction, and the, everybody there are tough-looking men. I mean, they look like ranchers. They don't look like they're weak men. And I'm like, instead of watching that cute little delicate sweet thing with the udders, I turn around and I look at the others <laughs> as they're bidding. And it has not failed once. And I've saved this and not told one of you my secret. But when I watch who's bidding on those udders, I look at these great big men, and I mean they look up and they, I mean they're down. And I thought, who buys them? Who's the pervert? I'm gonna see who hangs that in the bedroom. And guess what? Do you agree, Mom? Without us talking about it. Every single time, it's bid really high. 
because there's so many perverts in that room. And who's bidding? Say it, Mom. The women. Every time. Because my dad said, there's nothing like a dirty man. But if you ever meet a dirty woman, they're so much dirtier. And every single time, the women take it through their roof. And the men have their head down. Jezebel. She seduces. She brings you into the bed with her. And she's dirty in all ways. Why you don't care, I don't know. But the Lord's saying, it's not good that your DNA continues because you have children with Jezebel. And Jezebel's children are always taken out. Jezebel descendants. You can't keep producing Jezebel's. They have got to go. So, this is somebody who stirs up what's not good in you. If you want to know if this person is a Jezebel, do they stir up what's not good in you? What is it? Jezebel and her whoredoms? Jezebel and her witchcrafts? Someone who has ever dated someone? I get this more than I'd like to think. I was dating this person. I didn't know they were a witch. <laughs> Help me, Angie. I'm stuck. I'm dating someone. I didn't know they're a witch. <laughs> I didn't know he's in... I don't know what they call him when they're at some man. Tolerated the presence of a baneful influence as Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. 1 Kings 21-25. Jezebel stirs you up. And it stirs it up in you. But Jezebel stirred up the bad inning. She's around the believers. She doesn't have a house over here where she reads palms and has fortune tellers. Jezebel is among us. Jezebel is among Christians. Jezebel's come. They do. I went to college with a girl like this. I just didn't like her. I don't know why I didn't like her. I just didn't like her. It wasn't for a reason because I don't like people because I like people. It's taken me a lot of years to realize when I don't like someone, it's because they got a nasty spirit in them. I could make this story so bad, but I'm going to clean up some pain in it for me because Jezebel slipped in. But Jezebel was in our college group when mom and dad taught, and I didn't like her. And she would come to me and say, why don't you be my friend like your other people's friends? I want to be close to you. I want to be next to you. I want to be your friend. She would try to get to me. And she dirty dated people around me. And what was odd about her? She wasn't pretty. Her personality made up for it some. So she married a friend of mine, a guy, and she had two girls. And he was my state school partner. But she leaves and goes to law school. And there was a lawyer in Brown who tells me this story. I wouldn't know it. So I'm going down to this lawyer. And she looks at me and she goes, Do you know your friend in college? She was my roommate. She she left in college and she got involved with the head of the law school. They moved in. And they became, and she told me. And I'm like, you just don't get good gossip like this every day. I got to get out more. I'm like, my friend, she did that? And she goes, Angie, Angie, yes, she did that. She goes, and I promise you, I didn't know. I had no idea. And I go, there was something funny about her. She goes, Angie, I got to tell you something. She left her husband. She left her two little girls. And she became connected to the head of the law school. And she goes, Angie, and it wasn't love. I go, it wasn't love. Well, I mean, I wasn't asking that question. It wasn't love. She goes, it was power. She wanted power. It was the head of the law school. The girl repented again. She called us before she died. 
She died an alcoholic. I've been trying to find the two girls. There's been a few people I thought, I think they got the spirit of Jezebel in them. You can feel it on them. And I just can't make peace with them. I try. But I can't make that peace. They have new age sprinkles in their life. What is a Jezebel? Y'all, I think God told me what a Jezebel was. And as I was worshiping, God started speaking to me to know what a Jezebel is. Let me see if this agrees with you. I think he told me. A Jezebel is not just somebody in deception. Because people get in deception. A Jezebel is not just someone who seduces someone and sleeps with them. It has those elements to it. But there's always something more. I felt like the Lord told me that a Jezebel is someone who has never taken evil off the table. And it's still a viable option to them. I was shocked. The reason I don't get along with them is because evil is still within their possibilities. It's still within their choices. This person is willing to go and get into the box of the knowledge of good and evil and reach in there. And I don't say they're pulling out the biggest thing in the box, but they pull something out of the knowledge of good and evil box because evil is still on the table with them. They're still at the same place Eve was where she had never made up her mind that God had his best interest in mind. And she still thinks she knows better than God does what would make her happy. And she still gets into the box to satisfy herself. And that's a Jezebel. The knowledge of good and evil is still wide open in their life. They have never shut the door to the original temptation. The fruit's still there. They never take it off the table. It's a willingness. They have free choices, but knowingly, they still want that choice to get into that evil. It has its way with them ultimately. They think they're the user, but in the end, they think that they always have the upper hand. But they never know one day they will be licked up by the dogs. For the user is always used. These are my notes I wrote this morning. Jezebel, they have viable options. It's not off the table. Evil still can be chosen. And with no qualms, they will choose evil. I will go many times to a Jezebel, and I will tell them, take this off the table. Take this evil. I don't care how small. If I'm telling you that's witchcraft, take it off the table. If I'm telling you this is getting you into sorceries, or farming, see it, take it off the table. Take it off the table. If it's something in this, no matter what, this is the point that they will never take it off the table no matter how many times they're warned. And it's little bitty bits, but they keep putting it on the table. And they're asked to take it off, and you go to them and say, this is what we don't permit, this is what we don't allow, but they still, behind your back, in a passive-aggressive way, are still into the box of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's where the spirit of Jezebel lives. And she's still the seductress that comes up just like the snake and she's offering it to you. And she's loaded down and it goes in those things. She has a magical fascination with all her witchcrafts. The free and loose way she lives in luxury and the fierce and strong way she lives in absolute power. For she is the bed of comfort 
And she is the control of she's not going to let you walk out that door freely. She's a foreign queen and she'll start making policy. She will make policy in your life. This is Jezebel. We have a lying person in the church. We can't ever believe what they say. They make it up as it comes to them. Jezebel looked down her nose with perverse pride at the people whose religion she neither understood nor respected. She brought her religion in. And you get it when a foreign woman brings her religion in. But Jezebel did what none of Solomon's wives did. She took it to the point that she put on government payroll 401 priests, 450 of the prophets. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough till she got her husband where they took religion out of the land. The nation of Israel would quit worshiping Jehovah. 1 Kings 18.13 So you can imagine a nation whose entire religious system and all their preachers and all their places of worship are destroyed. And she is so forceful that it, it puts them out of business and every single preacher is hiding in a cave or dead. And that's what Jezebel did. Not satisfied to establish her religion in Israel, Jezebel sought to stamp out every remnant of Jehovah worship and to kill every true prophet. She had to have things completely her way, and she almost seceded. 2 Kings 9, 7, 22. If in America we had lost all of our preachers and all of our ministers, we might have been one election away. Jezebel's will get rid of it all. And I'm going to tell you what you'll notice about this spirit of Jezebel. They start getting odd ideals about politics and about religion. It starts showing up and they can't help it. Because they don't get it. And they get a little funny with witchcraft. And they get a little new agey. And in 2 Chronicles 21, 13 it says, But you have walked the way of the kings of Israel and have caused Judah and the people of Israel to prostitute themselves in the house of Ahab. And Ahab has prostituted himself. It's a prostitute and a cheat. And I'll tell you what Jezebels do for you. They run your relationship with God. And it's one little practice at a time. One little thing. And it causes you a quit and failure. And I was shocked that none of you brought it up. Because in 1 Kings 19.3, men are afraid of Jezebel. Bold men. Men that have never slept with her are still afraid of her. I remember my dad being in a meeting. And there were two women. One lady was very articulate, calm, and in control, and sweet in speech. The other lady was mean and controlling, the daughter of an alcoholic and a counselor. And together they decided to oust my dad. And they took hours to take dad apart piece by piece by piece. And dad and the strongest man in the church, this guy that I love that helps us all the time, he told dad, I've been in war with bullets flying all around and I've never had two women take us apart more like this. They got on their hands and knees and crawled under a desk because the whole room turned on them and fired them it's a spirit of jezebel and by themselves they weren't powerful but let them get in control let them get together and you will have seen things that you will not believe because it's two people agreed on an offense two people make an active shooter joe mccluskey had to tell dead you're our pastor they can't fire you go back because the spirit of Jezebel demasculizes you. It takes your manhood away. It strips you of your power. And you're a crying, sobbing man in a bed. And that's what Jezebel does.
I've been in war and I've never been anything like this. Jezebel's will make you want to quit. And Elijah has one day he stands up to Jezebel and oh what a glorious day it was. He called fire down from heaven. He put him on display. He put water on his fire and God answered him and he killed 850 of her servants. When a man is afraid of not all women, but he's afraid of just one woman. Men who stand against the spirit of Jezebel. Elijah the prophet was able to stand against the spirit one day. One day. And he ran to a cave and said, I want to die. And that's what it does every single time. It makes you not want to quit. It makes you want to die. But Elijah was the only one courageous enough to stand openly. God gave him a great victory. Jezebel raged against him and said, If I don't live or die, I swear to you, I'm going to make you like one of my dead prophets. And he ran. And let me tell you what happens the day you run. And Baal worship lived on and on and on. Because Elijah said, Anoint someone in my place. I don't care if angels feed me. I don't care what you have to say about it, God. I'm out. And bell worship lives on, dragging the nation into the new depths of degradation for years and kingdom because you give up. Jezebel's come against those in authority. Ask John the Baptist. He lost his head over it. He was circled by Jezebel's spirit behind the scenes. Ask Delilah. Ask Judge Roy Moore and Galea, who may have opened a door when a prostitute came to kill him, it looks like. Kathy Lee Gifford's husband. She was on TV giving God the glory for their great marriage and how happy she was in a perfect home. I went to the same school as Kathy Lee Gifford. And it says in 1997, the tabloid magazine Globe. But Globe arranged to have Gifford secretly videotape being seduced by a former flight attendant, Susan Johnson, in a New York City hotel. He had been on the plane, and she flirted with him. They published photos and stories. It was reported that the tabloid said, Johnson, you get him to sleep with you, we'll make it worth $70,000. How about $125,000? How would that make you feel if you found out there was money put on you? How would it make you feel if you were the wife? Wrecked a lot of things that went into marriage counseling. Editor Steve Cause, who was of the National Enquirer said about the globe there is a difference between reporting the news and creating the news without the globe there would have been no story here I'm in tabloids I'm in smutty work I do this dirty thing but he goes this is over the top this is downright cruel Jezebel woe is me for I'm scared of the Jezzies how does this fit into our curriculum? Jezebel is a spokeswoman. She speaks for Baal. She speaks for the altars of Baal in New York City and in D.C. Jezebel is the spokeswoman. She blatantly spoke. And she says, you too can have that vineyard. I'm not going to let anything stop you. Jezebel's will tell you, you can have everything you want. I'll make it happen for you. And Jezebel's are the spokesmen for selfishness. And Jezebel died being licked up by the dogs. Amen. That's your nighttime bedtime story. <laughs> <laughs>